Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Sheena, let's play a quick game. Are you up for it? Let's do it. I want you to answer as quickly as possible, giving me your true gut response, okay? Okay. Spotify or Apple Music? Oh, Spotify. Paid or free? Paid. Last song you listened to? Oh, Blippy, which you may not even know what that is. <laughs> I have not heard of it. I don't know if it's like a song before my time or a kid's song. It's somewhere. <laughs> it is a kid's song, and it is one of those, you know, my kids are using my same Spotify Mm. Uh, login so my fee everything is just like totally messed up because it's all jumbled together so that is one pain point that i have with it right now well we agree on all fronts spotify for me paid for me though i I will let anyone use my netflix my hulu if you want to go ruin that algorithm i don't care i'm gonna go find what i want no one touches my spotify like that is (laughs) that is curated over many years as i mentioned in this interview uh so i respect that you you know prioritize your kids i'd rather buy Rumi her own spotify than let her ruin mine it's too late for me now i should have thought about that ahead of time um if you're listening to this on spotify shout out to you though we are impartial Uh, though I do enjoy Spotify as a user. But I'm excited because we got to hang out with Brian Berner, who's the head of North American advertising sales for Spotify. And Sheena, he was, I mean, everyone we have on the show is great. That's why we have them on the show. And hearing him talk through how to cultivate talent through training and creating consistency at scale, especially given all the change that's gone on at Spotify internally, but also externally in their market as like the quote unquote streaming wars, which I consider Spotify to be a part of has Mm -hmm. gone on. I had a really good time talking to Brian. Yeah. I think his deep experience, like not only in sales, but in ad sales and in markets, uh, companies that have both a B2C and a B2B angle was super interesting. Um, So I really appreciated that uh, lens that he brought. Absolutely. If you're interested in learning how to scale your go-to-market motion while growing rapidly and, forgive the kind of cliche term, navigating change, very important but kind of buzzy, this is for you because he had a five-step framework, well-labeled the Spada 5 framework, that goes over all of this, uh, all these insights. It goes through step-by-step how he is you know, approaching, his, scaling his go-to-market motion and he even provided some examples. So, I was really excited, and I think the listeners will be too. All right, let's go hang out with Brian. Brian, welcome to Reveal. Big thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me as well. Excited to be here. I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're doing good. We're doing good. Usually, we start the interview with, tell us a little bit about your company, uh, but you work at Spotify, so I'm going to assume most people listening know what Spotify is, and I'll take the leap of faith that half of them are probably listening on Spotify right now. 
So maybe a better question would be to tell us a little bit more about your role and what you're focused on right now. For sure. Um, well, hopefully you're correct that uh, everyone on the line does know what Spotify is and is equally listening on Spotify. I hope that is the case. So thank you for that. But uh, to answer your question, my role specifically is I'm the head of advertising sales and partnership for North America, uh, which is, you know, ultimately means I oversee um, all of the sales sales managers and client services uh, with respect to advertising revenue for Spotify. So um, even if a lot of our consumers or, or your listeners are tuning in via Spotify, um, what's interesting about our platform is our model in that we have the premium uh, subscription, which, you know, either pay $10 a month or 15 or five, depending on if you're a student or family plan and you uh, don't receive ads. But then there's um, a good portion of our total uh, audience that um, uses Spotify free, which in that instance, uh, when you are listening to music you know, or podcasts for that matter, you will periodically get ad breaks. And that's the team that I oversee. I am not just saying this because you're on my show. I have been a Spotify premium user for, I don't know, at least seven years. If it's been around for seven years, I've been using it for, for that long. So uh, very interesting to have you on the show, and, and you've got a big, uh, big user here. Um, and I understand, too, Brian, before you got into sales, you initially planned to pursue a career in investment banking. But your experience selling advertisement in your college paper made you change your mind. So I have to ask, what about you know, advertise, what about the advertising business had you hooked? Um, so I went to school at, uh, the university of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. I'm originally from Chicago, from the Midwest. Um, uh, some know it as the Harvard of the Midwest and maybe that's a bad joke. (laughs) Um, while I was at school, to your point, I was originally studying, uh, management information systems and I was going to go into either IB or, uh, consulting for that matter. But, um, while at school, got a job uh, selling print ads uh, for the school newspaper, which was the uh, Daily Illini. And to answer your question, I just, um, I looked out at a very young age where I just immediately fell in love with uh, what advertising sales consisted of and just knew, you know, from that moment on what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, more specifically to answer your question, what I loved at the time was one, you know, uh, the, 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 I would say just the, the day-to-day weekly, you know, interactions with actually like selling to people. Right. So, I mean, maybe, you know, that doesn't sound clear, but, you know, having the opportunity to go out prospect hunt and then, you know, actually pitch and communicate with customers was something I was very passionate about. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the time spent, you know, problem solving with customers and two within advertising in particular, um, it's a very, fun, you know, vertical that you can have a lot of creativity with, uh, in that when you're creating solutions for customers, even, even if it's local, you know, local advertising sales for a school newspaper, you're finding fun ways to work with, you know, these different local business owners to market themselves. And again, for me specifically, it's just, you know, you can have a lot of fun with, uh, the whole, you know, creative concept, whether it's a print ad or an online ad and, some of the, you know, unique collaboration and creativity you can have with the uh, advertisement itself. Definitely. Definitely seems to be a creative, a creative space and a, I'm going to guess maybe it takes a uh, creative salesperson to also be, you know, successful in that, in that realm. Definitely, definitely helps. You don't lie. I would say, you know, you don't have to be creative to be successful in advertising sales, but you know, 
it does it does help Devin. I would say that. And even uh, before Spotify, you were at MySpace, which maybe some of the youngins that are listening are not as familiar with MySpace. Devin raised his hand. <laughs> I am familiar. Um, I, I had a MySpace proudly. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I think that's that's interesting that that advertising experience has really woven through your career in two, uh, you know, very well-known hyper-growth companies at, you know, at their respective times at MySpace and then now at Spotify. Tell us a little bit about some of that hyper-growth that you're experiencing at Spotify now, and then we can kind of get into a little bit more around how do you ensure that the team stays consistent through that growth? I'd say... In, in advertising sales in particular, a lot of your, you know, growth with respect to your sales team, or maybe like most organizations for that matter, is going to also be somewhat uh, correlated to your audience size. So the growth that we've seen uh, has been, one, great in that, you know, we've actually been in the U.S. now. It'll, we'll be approaching 10 years in the U.S. So, Gavin, thank you for your seven years, but you know, a, a, little, a little few more years there. But so on one hand, I, you know, I think it's been so humbling, uh, but equally exciting to, you know, have been somewhere that now approaching a full decade, we are still adding users, right? So one of the things that's been uh, great about our growth um, is that it's, it's just, you know, continue to, you know, maintain, be steady. And if anything is, is starting to accelerate, especially within these, you know, past couple of years. So that's, that's been great to see. And, and as, the user base, you know, uh, has grown, you know, so has, you know, to the original question, you know, my sales team, uh, originally started in the Midwest and probably had a total staff of uh, 10. And now, you know, 10 years later, you know, over the U S and Canada, I have a total staff north of 250 people that is broken apart, you know, multiple client segmentations, you know, customer verticals, um, and we have a few different, you know, go-to-market strategies within the team. So, so I'd say like that's, you know, very, you know, broad stroke answer to your question is just to see the team go from, you know, what was probably total staff of 25 to now north of 275 and still growing. That's been exciting to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can 10x uh, is, is a pretty pretty cool story. And I'm sure there's a lot we could talk about. I, I'd love to hear from you, Brian. I feel like, you know, hyper growth is what, you know, I'm gonna. I'll make a blanket statement. All SaaS, you know, startups, all, all startups in general, I think, want to get to hyper growth. What has been the most surprising component of that for you? Like, what was something that you came across that was really, you know, caught you off guard, or was maybe just really interesting as you've been along this journey? Well, if, so Devin, what I would say is like it really depends on like how you're defining hyper growth, right? Like, we opened up this conversation with like my MySpace days you know, versus my Spotify days. And what I would say about MySpace is MySpace, my gosh, like that was hyper growth, right? Like we went from, you know, zero to millions to hundreds of millions of users globally in less than a two year time frame. Like, you know, even if you look at MySpace versus a Facebook or Instagram, you know, and even maybe nowadays a TikTok or a Snap, that was hyper growth at its core to the point where, you know, we couldn't even keep pace with, with that growth. So, so then, you know, pivoting to Spotify, we're definitely seeing, you know, um, the same amount of growth, but what has been more of a, a, a nice moment is that, you know, rather than come out of the gates with, you know, reaching, you know, X amount of, you know, your total addressable market within the first year, you know, I think being more thoughtful 
about what consumers want, what the users want, Mm -hmm. and therefore, you know, seeing the actual core product continue to evolve and innovate every single year. So if you were to look at, you know, what the UI of what Spotify looked like, you know, seven years ago when you started versus what the UI looks like today, uh, uh, along with even just the features, it, it has been just extraordinary to see that, like, the, the reason why we continue to see our growth and accelerated growth is how much we are just listening to our consumers and what they want. And we are innovating, you know, with them and for them. And I think that's been a big, you know, change in pace of just like, you know, for as maybe simplistic as it sounds, I think that's where a lot of companies, you know, might miss the mark, uh, you, you know, not listening to what their consumers want. Yeah. I think there's like this interesting, um, kind of dynamic, regardless of how quickly the organization is growing, you know, hyper growth could mean different things, but, you know, growth overall is like, is consistency across the organization, but change over time. Like even for Spotify, like you're continuously putting out new products, the market is changing, new competitors are coming in, but as an organization and as a sales org, you need to be unified while moving through that change. So I'm curious how you set your team up for success um, with kind of like that balance at hand. Um, what I would say is what we've seen in even let's call it the past three years, you know, versus decades for that matter is growth has expanded beyond just music into podcasts, you know, into shows, you know, we've, we're, we're, we're testing, you know, video on the platform, you know, video podcasting, there's been just a ton of innovation. So to that point, Sheena, um, the challenges that we've had is, you know, what was once maybe a very, you know, straightforward um, value proposition of who we were, right? We were an audio, you know, for that matter, music, you know, a music streaming platform has now evolved into the world's, you know, largest audio platform. But even when you look at audio in particular, you have very different um, use cases as well as consumers and, and products for that matter, that the organization is going to be selling, whether it's, you know, in podcasts, like I said, or general, you know, music streaming, or, you know, believe it or not, we actually have video products on the platform as well. That might not be our, our, our largest suite of products, but they're, they're, they're there too. So to that point, it becomes a true challenge of as your toolkit of what you are able to sell grows and then your sales force, you know, your actual headcount is growing at the same time, that is definitely the challenge of hyper growth where how do you maintain a uh, consistent, you know, go to market strategy, a consistent narrative for that matter, when you are constantly in growth mode, onboarding, you know, new employees, as well as, as you're onboarding new employees, you're launching new products, right? So it's like you have so many moving pieces at once and that's, equally another great exciting thing about the platform, but as a sales leader, it becomes incredibly challenging to just maintain, you know, that pace of change um, all happening at once. So, so I give you that, you know, larger backstory to answer the question where, you know, it's, it's absolutely imperative on one hand that you adopt very clear KPIs at all levels, whether it's, you know, what is expected of client services with respect to, you know, customer service and everything from, you know, how long does it take to get an order through the system? How are we tracking, you know, mistakes or make goods or how are we tracking on-time delivery, so on and so forth, 
So then, you know, with the sales, uh, actual sellers, you're tracking market level activity, market feedback, uh, and then so on and so forth. You go up to the managers and you're trying to manage that all at scale. So there's, there's two ways we really done that on one, you know, we're leveraging a CRM tool, which is general dashboard that, you know, for maybe it's not sexy as it sounds, it's absolutely vital to have those consistent KPIs and then having the tracking mechanisms in place that you're just like keeping a pulse on what everyone's doing so that you're just, you know, looking at the overall health metrics of the business, obviously revenue being core, but activity is a good correlation as to making predictions as to where the revenue is going to go up, down or stay flat. And then two, I will give a plug, you know, I know this is a gong podcast, but like how we all met um, in this new virtual world, I think it really opened up my eyes to the next evolution of, well, what does consistency look like? I have a distributed workforce that has now, you know, been working from home for over a year with more to come. And in this new world, distributed workforces, you know, is going to, you know, continue to become the new norm. So that's where you just have to bring on tools that help you, you know, uh, I would say implement these strategies at scale, but then without sounding like big brother, you want to also be able to track these at scale so that you can have, you can keep a pulse on the overall, you know, uh, health metrics, you know, of the organization. Brian may come across like a doctor of revenue as he highlights the importance of keeping a pulse on everything going on in his sales organization. And while revenue is the heart of a business's health, other metrics can help predict future success. As your company's offerings grow and headcount increases, it's important to listen to the voice of the customer, focus on their needs, and strategize accordingly. Here are some interesting stats from the article, Winning at Sales in a Buyer-Empowered World, from Harvard Business Review. Did you know that 72% of decision makers say that a sales rep's ability to help solve business objectives is a major influence on their buying decision? That means it's not just about how well you present your product itself, but rather adjusting your value proposition for each buyer's needs. So how do you do this? Well, just like Brian said about tracking metrics other than revenue, 37% of businesses expect revenue increases when applying analytics best practices to sales. By using data to understand your sales process, you'll learn which customers are getting the most value from you and what they really care about, meaning you can address their needs and earn more business. I'd like to, to ask a quick question, Brian, on you said some vital KPIs on that dashboard. What are the most vital ones in your eyes? Like uh, revenue aside, like what are some of those things you're looking at as maybe, you know, success signals or predict, you know, predictors? So I think Devin, you know, my, my answer is it's always changing, right? So we're, we're, we're always trying to get better and learn. But if you put revenue aside, like we can both agree, revenue is the, uh, the you know, the, the end all be all. Um, but even, you know, not putting revenue aside, but tracking, you know, booking spacing, you know, what we're seeing, you know, happen is how our customers are actually making purchasing decisions and what the sales funnel looks like. And, you know, clients are looking for more agility, you know, in this new world, specifically with, uh, within advertising, it's not like your traditional, you know, staff sale where you're, you know, doing two to five year contracts or more so doing quarterly, you know, deals. Um, one of the metrics that we're looking at then is just, again, you know, overall, um, you know, um, how quick the, you know, the, or I, I would say how at the different, you know, deal sizes, 
are we seeing the dynamics of like, you know, how quickly does it take to close a deal? The other thing I'd say you're looking at um, from success metrics or KPIs is when people, you know, a lot of times people trying to understand, well, why did you lose a deal? Right. Mm -hmm. And you can, you can get a lot of learnings from that and then pivot your strategy. But I feel like a lot of companies aren't looking at, well, why are you winning? So a big thing of what we've been doing is analyzing the, the, the partners or the, the sales that we are closing, you know, well, why is that? And are there consistent themes that you can extrapolate that will ultimately create your ideal client profile? And therefore then it can set forth the strategy of like who you're going to begin, you know, maybe prioritizing from a prospecting standpoint. So those are just some like, you know, additional metrics that, you know, we're looking at, you know, beyond revenue with just overall, like, let's say customer activity and then customer profiles. Yeah, that, that's fascinating. We we're obviously, uh, you know, self-acclaimed data nerds, or we, we really appreciate, you know, putting that data lens to it. Um, and I'm always interested because like you said, it, it should change, right? Like what you're looking at now shouldn't probably be the same six months ago and the six months before that, especially given the, uh, you know, the growth and the dynamic nature of your business. I know also that part of consistency is getting the entire team around, you know, common language and or framework. I know you have what might be the best named framework I've ever heard, which is the Spotify framework that you launched. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so well, I, I'd have to say the, the I'll, I'll give a plug if she ever ends up listening to uh, Meredith Ian, who is our head of global training. She she came up with the uh, witty name Spotify. Um, but what Spotify is, is, you know, that's ultimately, you know, our framework of, you know, how we are training and onboarding people to, you know, go to market. And that's everything from new sellers to, quite frankly, tenured sellers. And the framework itself, it's, it's nothing, I would say, nothing revolutionary that you probably haven't picked up in any type of, you know, standard sales training, you know, you know, books, or, you know, you've seen at other orgs, but what is unique is the fact that rather than just regurgitating um, someone else's work, we've really been thoughtful about, you know, taking what we feel works best for us and then personalizing that. So the spot of five framework, you know, it's five temples where, um, um, first, first and foremost, it's just teaching sellers about intention, right? So again, like Spotify framework, I'll walk you through it real quick, but it's just, it's how we ultimately go to market with like, you know, just general meetings, whether those are virtual meetings, in-person meetings, you know, and at all different phases of the sales cycle. So with respect to intention, it's as simple, as simple as like teaching our sales team consistency on like, well, why are we having the meeting, right? So first and foremost, like I think a lot of salespeople will list out an agenda but it's, 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 it's more about being thoughtful about like, well, what is the specific, you know, intentions and t goals of this meeting right. state that in the beginning and align with your customers so that you know that you are both, you know, jointly, what is the goal of meeting and that you're both, you know, leaning in and jointly agreeing on this too many sellers go to market and they just start talking right away or they just, you know, jump into the agenda without like stating their intention. And then from there, we pivot to, you know, the second pillar, which is informed discovery. And that's, you know, the art of, you know, you obviously want to be mindful of your client's time. They have a lot of people that are calling on them. So you have to ask yourself, well, why did they take the time to meet with you? So that's where, you know, we're teaching our sellers to make sure that they are, you know, making informed um, um, 
discovery, you know, decisions, questions about what we know about our client's business without being too, you know, over assumptive. So that's a moment to just make sure you're aligning with your client on what their goals and objectives are that you, um, are, are, are hitting it correctly without, you know, again, wasting their time. But that's also a moment to be thoughtful depending on where you're at in the sales cycle to use that to, you know, have discovery questions, quite frankly. And then the third pillar is insights and diet, you know, diagnosis. So at this point, you know, you've already told the client what the meeting's about. You've had the informed discovery to align on, you know, what we're solving for. So now in insights and diagnosis, you're really going to share your solutions again, depending on where you're at in the sales cycle. And then the fourth is solutions and evidence, which is, you know, you're going to be showing, you know, that you actually can bring the ROI to whatever your diagnosis is. And then five, is going to be qualifying commit, which is, you know, again, making sure you're asking for the business or digging deeper as to, you know, why, why you might not be in consideration for that business. And then leaving that conversation, making sure there's, you know, commitment on both ends as to what the, you know, very specific and actionable next steps will be. So the reason why we created that Spotify framework is back to the original point of this conversation is how do we create consistency at scale? How do we go to market consistently at scale you know, while giving sellers the ability to still bring their own, you know, personality, you know, to that, to that meeting, but making sure it stays on point with our brand and our brand value to make it easy for our clients to work with. But it also then, you know, just helps us land, you know, make it easier for clients to understand the, you know, why should they work with us and what is our value proposition we're bringing, you know, what solutions are we bringing, you know, to the conversation. That's awesome. I, I love that. And it might have gone over listeners' heads, but you followed the framework in the way you just described the framework and that you told me what all the steps were and then you went right into why. So I love that. I love that you're, you're, you're living and breathing this thing. If I could dive into one component with you, Brian, it would be the insights and diagnosis. The word insights uh, is one of my favorite. I'd love to hear as much as you're able to share either maybe why, why insights or some of the things you bring to the table and maybe, you know, the outcome that has on the, on the buyers in that meeting. Well, the insights piece, you know, in the world of advertising, every, every, it doesn't matter if you're selling streaming audio or, you know, out of home TV, et cetera. Like advertising is rooted within audience, right? So there's various brands from all different walks of life, verticals, QSR, CPG, et cetera. So from an insights perspective, everything is rooted within who who is that brand trying to reach? So what is their core audience, which obviously you should know before the meeting and align on, you know, uh, if there's any changes in that meeting, but then more importantly, what brands care about is, well, what is the unique insight as to what that brand's consumer is doing on our platform? And therefore, if we better understand who the brand's consumer is on our platform, what they're doing, the diagnosis or the solution that, you know, ties back to the insight is what is the thoughtful, you know, advertisement that, you know, ideally is authentic and unobtrusive, you know, to that user's experience. However, hopefully would capture their attention to either want to leave whatever they're doing to learn more or to at least like bookmark or check or just, you know, remember that, you know, they, you know, this ad, you know, stood out, caught their attention, was served to the right person at the right time in the right moment, and therefore created an action. So again, maybe a long-winded way of answering your question, but that insight 
it, it's, it's a very, very, you know, important aspect of understanding, you know, who the brand's consumers are on our platform. So again, it's like, you know, in our world, it's like, we're not looking for brands to just take their radio ads and plug them on our platform, right? Because it doesn't make sense. It's a different environment. So you want to be thoughtful of that. You want to be thoughtful of, uh, of, you know, being able to, you know, better align with consumers the way that, you know, the way you would advertise on an audio platform is different than how you would on a video platform. So, so again, Devin, very long winded way of saying like everything is rooted within the insights of who that consumer is, because those insights will ultimately, you know, correlate to like, what is the solution? And then depending on how, you know, hopefully right, you know, you got the solution, then that'll obviously increase the ROI. Well, I can tell you this, I have taken a call with one of your sales reps and that was something that stood out because we were talking about ways we could expand the way we're currently advertising at Gong. And I had no idea what to expect. I'm not admittedly in the paid side of the uh, content uh, side of the org here, but she came to the meeting with, I understand who your audience is. I understand this is what you're doing. And here's, I think she had two or three recommendations of things that made sense specifically because of all the things you just outlined. And it was very educational, but it was also built a lot of credibility, right? Because I didn't feel like she gave me a pick list. Like, hey, we sell these five things. You tell me which one you want. And, you know, we, we talk from there. So I have to say, uh, you know, uh, applaud uh, that rep. Uh, it's something you guys are actually doing. And as a buyer was something that really resonated. That's great. That's great. How soon we'll have to talk offline on, on who that was. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I owe her. It was a her. I forget her name. So I apologize. I can't make her podcast famous right now, but I will happily relay that to you offline. <laughs> Good deed. Thank you. So Brian, I suspect that in order to be successful with driving this consistency at scale, um, it's really critical to have strong leadership at the top because a lot of the, you know, the, the why, the how, the objectives, like that's coming from, from leadership. So could you talk a little bit more about what actually makes a good leader um, in this type of scenario? Well, let me say, Sheena, I don't have all the right answers, so I'll give you my answer and hopefully uh, uh, it's at least spot on. But, um, you know, it's a great question. And I also have to acknowledge that, you know, COVID in particular and the, the, the virtual um, sales that, you know, we've been thrusted into has made me do a lot of soul searching and reflection on leadership uh, as well. So when I think about, you know, what, it, what is a strong leader, you know, I'm going to say some things that are, are, are repetitive and then hopefully things that stand out. But on, on one hand, you know, all, all true leaders, right. The difference between a leader or a manager or a boss, a leader is always going to be able to set forth that, that North star, right. But that North Star should always be, you know, rooted in some type of like mission based leadership, right? So everyone should have a, a North Star. And again, like, I don't want to get like too, you know, philosophical here, but even if you're selling something as simple as ads, you can still always, you know, root your leadership into something, you know, larger, larger beyond the day to day transaction. So if you even think about that on Spotify, you know, Spotify is doing a lot of things, but you know, hopefully at the end of the day, we're helping millions of creators, you know, live off of their work, right? So every time we are generating revenue, you know, for the company, that revenue is going back to our creators. So 
to, to, to be able to like, you know, set forth, you know, uh, a mission that gives, you know, the, the team something larger to focus on beyond just transacting. And I think that is, is first and foremost, the most important to, you know, understand the brevity of that, you know, you are more than just a sales team, more than a salesperson, you know, you're a part of something larger and greater, which is the company's, you know, uh, uh, overall mission. So I think that that's very important. And then two, you know, after you set forth that, you know, mission, I think people gravitate towards leaders that, you know, one are, are, are genuine, right? So you, you have to do what you say you're going to do. You have to, you know, people, people want, you know, leaders that, you know, um, hold accountability to themselves as well as the, the team. So, you know, being a genuine, you know, person I think is incredibly important. And then I think uh, along with being genuine, having empathy is equally as important. So when you're managing all different, you know, personality types, I think sales leaders, you know, need to be very mindful of the fact that not every single person on your team is the same person. And, and again, it might sound like so simplistic when you hear me say it, but there's plenty of, of leaders that aren't leaders for that matter. And just like our, our bosses or managers, and they're just like, here's the metrics we're following and, and check the box, check the box. And you have to understand that in order to really bring, you know, the, the individual's great, you know, qualities out, you, you have to be a chameleon and, and have empathy and understand who that individual is. And, and your, your leadership style has to change with different, you know, personalities, right? While, while having consistency. And then I think the last thing that ties into maybe, you know, everything we're talking about and, and what Gong does for us as well is, you know, great leaders are all, all, also great educators. So at any point in time when you are, you know, leading the team and, and showing them, you know, well, here's this new product and you're positioning the product. You also want to be, you know, educating them on something beyond the day to day. And that could be, you know, industry trends or, you know, just understanding the why customers are doing what they may be doing. So, so in my opinion, you know, to play that back, a strong leader, you know, is, has mission-based leadership is genuine, you know, has empathy. And then, you know, last and, you know, even most important is, is an educator first and foremost. Yeah, I, I think the why and like defining that North Star and rallying the team around that is the one that really stands out to me. Um, we recently did an episode where we shared some data that um, the teams that were the most aligned around passion and the vision, like that actually led to more outside outsized results versus teams that had greater experience. So that alignment around the vision and the passion that the team's able to dedicate towards that is what's going to ultimately lead to success versus just finding a bunch of reps that have, you know, done, done this or the same thing for a long time. I couldn't agree with you more. Could not agree with you more. And that's why I say like one of my reflections during COVID was, um, you know, I, obviously I, I hope I'm a great leader. Um, and I'm always continuing to, to find ways to evolve. But like what I realized in COVID was one of the things that has changed in my leadership style is a lot of times if I was hosting my all hands, it was, you know, checking the box with like, you know, what are the company metrics, health, revenue, how are we doing Two, like maybe here's general, you know, product insights you should be aware of or training three, maybe here's some other, you know, people within the department or other departments you should hear from. But the one thing that I wasn't spending enough time doing, or let's say maybe two things was one, you know, just being a little more vulnerable and speaking from the heart, you know, and just acknowledging 
just acknowledging the difficulties that I'm going through so that people, you know, understand like, you know, I, I, I get it. I know what you guys are going through. You know, I'm, I'm at home with four kids. It's, it's absolute insanity at the burner household. So I think on, on one hand, it's, you know, sometimes taking, you know, time away from, you know, you don't need to talk about the metrics 24 seven and you, you do need to talk about the people. And then um, two, I think to that point, you know, the educator piece is also like, I've had sessions where we've been talking about, you know, well, what is a recession? What does it mean to go through a recession or what are we seeing, you know, in these verticals? And sometimes it's not, you know, a one-to-one correlation to, you know, advertising per se, but what you see is people, you know, will lean in more and you're creating a more well-rounded, more thoughtful, you know, sales force. And, and again, if it ties back into that mission, it just, you know, it, it helps the team feel a part of something, you know, larger versus like if all you're doing is checking the box on the company metric, you're going to lose people's passion. You're going to lose their attention. So true. And, and I can't answer the question as to whether or not you're a great leader, as I don't report to you, but I can say that your willingness and interest in being a great leader, as you mentioned, and your ability to evolve and, and change your uh, leadership style in this market that we're in is a great sign. So I'm sure your team appreciates all of that. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I will fact check that, Sheena, offline because the sales rep I could not name, I have since looked up, and I will ask Clara Lasher if, in fact, Brian is the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> Clara, all right. I'll, I'll send her this podcast so you know you gave her a plug. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you. Love it. She was great. She was great. Well, Brian, there's I've been writing notes down uh, over here, and I'm sure our listeners have too. This has been fantastic. I would like to wrap up with the same question that we ask all of our guests, which is, how would you describe sales in one word? <laughs> Give me a moment on that one. How would I describe sales in one word? Uh, it's very open-ended, but if, if someone just asked me, which you did, how would you describe sales in one word? I would just simply say exciting, you know, maybe dynamic. I mean, let me change my answer to dynamic. That's what I would say. Sales is dynamic. I like it. I like it. And talking to you, I can understand that because that's like the world you're in right now. Like, you know, the uh, the B2C, the B2B play that Spotify is doing, um, how you are all evolving is, is great. And speaking of evolving, this is unprompted. Spotify did not uh, sponsor this episode, though you might think so the way that I love them so much. Whoever's idea it was to come up with the end of year email or the campaign of like your year in review for all the music I've listened to, that is, is fantastic. I just want to throw that out there. I don't know if you know that person, Brian, but it's worth mentioning. If anyone listening hasn't seen it, be on the lookout for December. It is the best marketing that I look forward to all year. So true. We call it, it, it is uh, thank you for the plug. It, it's called rap. It is evolved into rap. It was, it was a rap. group of people, some very, very smart individuals, but I, I, you know, objectively, uh, not as an employee, couldn't agree with you more. It has been so amazing to see how, you know, your end of year rap that Spotify started cultural has, has really bled into larger culture. And you see so many different companies now having their variation on like, you know, what is your year in listening, streaming, or, you know, all of your purchasing decisions. Again, it's just, it's such a fun fun way to, you know, end the year. And I think our consumer marketing team does uh, just such a great, unique, like tongue in cheek, you know, uh, 
humorous, you know, campaign. Right. So, so thank you for that plug. I absolutely do agree with you. I love it. It's, it's a great piece of uh, uh, work that's been going on for a long time now with Spotify. And I have seen it be copied across, I think, like Lyft and Digit. They tell me how much I spend and how much, how many more places I'm going. And I'm putting it out into the open. I will be doing my best to copy it for Gong uh, later this year. So, you know, when you see it, Brian, g- give me your feedback because hopefully it'll make it onto your radar. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be great. I would absolutely. That'd be great. <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Brian. It was a pleasure to have you on the show and great to get to know you through this. Absolutely. Likewise. Thank you both. Uh, Appreciate the time and you guys stay safe and, and have a great week. Every week we bring you a micro action. It can be something as simple to think about or something you can put into play today. While your company expands and you increase product and feature options, think about which businesses they can best help. Take a look at what successful KPIs look like that drive revenue and see if they are clear across your whole sales team. With teams working remotely, it's more important than ever to keep a pulse on what's driving business and how you can pitch your value proposition to customers who are constantly changing their needs. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.